If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. The talent for so many players today, the talent in the spotlight, it's taking them to heights that their character's not strong enough to support. I'm one of those set goals achievements. It's talked about faith, passion, obviously the drive with the guys that I've been around and the guys that surround me every single day. If I want to be one of the best, I've got to play with and against the best. Okay, so that which gets praised gets repeated. You're listening to The Hardwood Hustle, brought to you by PGC Basketball. Coaches, thanks for joining today. This is TJ Rosine, and I'm going solo today here on the Hardwood Hustle, and we're going to talk offense. Uh, we're going to talk about how to run a better offense and how to make players better scores in one particular category. Before we get started, I want to make sure that you know that you can improve what you don't measure. That's why there's Shot Tracker. Check out our friends at ShotTracker.com. So today we're going to talk about uh, scoring the ball and having efficient offenses, and going to talk specifically um, – about playing without the ball and why it's so important. I recently uh, put out a tweet and uh, got a lot of love on it. It says, Clay Thompson and his two highest scoring games combined for 112 points on 16 dribbles. I put hashtag playing without the ball, hashtag young fellas watch him. Um, It's so much fun for me to watch Clay Thompson. There's a lot of pieces and a lot of parts that go into this, but I do think that if you remove Clay from that team, it's really difficult because he does so many things uh, on the floor. And I want to specifically talk about why he's so valuable uh, to the team and thinking about forming our own players and helping them to get to do some of the things that he does on the court. Uh, one of the things specifically that all of us as coaches love is somebody that just fills out the stat sheet, somebody that you know has got a a three in the rebound column, even though they're the point guard. They've got the five assists. They've got uh, the six six or seven rebounds. And, and, um, and they always love when they can score the ball. Everybody wants that out of, out of a player. But one thing I think that players could do more is they could fill the stat sheet a little bit better in the points category if they knew how. And uh, Clay's one of those guys I think knows how. I know he's a shooter. I know he's a sniper. And you get him his feet, op- feet set and get him open, he's going to knock it down. One of the interesting stats you might not know – about Clay Thompson is, you know, if he may be the best shooter in the world, but he's 31% um, from three-point range when people are in his bubble, which is, you know, arm's length away, three or four feet away. Uh, but over his career, you know, he's up there every year in the in the mid-40s and three-point percentage, which is, which is huge. But he's just immortal. That's why it's so important. One of the things we always talk about, you've heard us talk about on episodes, other episodes, is shot selection and why it's so important is because if he just shot guarded threes, he'd be 31%. And he wouldn't be a, you know, a normal, average, uh, run-of-the-mill three-point shooter. But he also gets good shots, and that's part of his, um, his footwork, part of his movement without the ball. It's also part of uh, his teammates and what they create for him. Obviously, um, Steph Curry is going to create better matchups for him, and Kevin Durant's going to create better matchups for him. But you can't be helped but to be blown away by that stat right there. He scored 112 points in two games off of 16 total dribbles. Um, I, I pointed out to my team the other day that uh, we didn't even score on a possession where we took 19 dribbles. 
And Clay Thompson scored 112 points on three less dribbles than that. And it was mind-blowing to my players. And things like that, I think, are always sticky for players. They think about and they hear things like that, and they're trying to wrap their brain around it. But a lot of times they just don't know how um, to do that, how to play without the ball. But if you want to have a really good, efficient offense and, um, and, and you want to score more points as a team, you've got to have players that do things without the ball really well. I've I've likened it all the time to when Dwayne Wade and LeBron James first came in together and they struggled in that first year. You know, that one plus one equal two. They didn't know how to make one plus one equal three, and primarily is because they were very ball-dominant guys. And I think you see that uh, where people are struggling sometimes with Westbrook, you know, and playing with Westbrook because he's so ball-dominant. And um, it, what he needs, in my, in my opinion, is not only shooters but people that play without the ball well because he's going to have the ball in his hands so much. But when we talk about scoring specifically, getting more out of each individual players, I mean, you think about it. If we could get one or two more points out of our five starters, you know, you go from averaging 60 to 67, 68 points a game or 70 to 78, that's a huge difference. We don't even, you know, sometimes stop and realize how, how crucial it is or how the difference it can make just for each player to average a half point more or one point more. And what I do believe is there's a lot of points out there on the court to be stolen. Um, for players, I just don't think they know how to steal them. Uh, one of the things that I always, you know, love to tell my players as well is when you think about um, guys like LeBron James, but specifically a guy in my day, and a lot of you coaches may be able to relate, is Michael Jordan. You know, he was going to get his thirty or forty. I mean, he just was going to get it night in, night out, eighty-two games a year. He was going to get it. But the reality of that is he didn't shoot the ball great all of the time. And you have to change players' mindsets because players, I think, they think about the big game and the Steph Curry mentality, like I'm going to hit 10 threes or I'm going to hit nine threes, and that's how they're going to have a big game. But there's guys out there that are great scorers, and and Jordan's the example that I I love to to use. I mean, he wasn't even a big three-point guy. You know, he he made some threes, but it wasn't his go-to. And, you know, in the playoffs, he had that one game where he hit six or so. But uh, generally, you know, he was one or two, maybe an occasional three three three-point games where he hit three three three-pointers in a game. But typically, that was not his M.O., but he still got those points. And, um, you know, he played without the ball well. But I think you you got to teach a player – how to get their points up. And I know sometimes we think that's counterintuitive, you know, as a team, be selfless, be whatever. But I really want selfish players on the offensive end. I want players that want to score the ball. Now, I don't want them to be so selfish that they take bad shots that hurt the team, but I do want them to want to score the basketball. And every player has a way or ways to score the ball. And, you know, your best player should score the ball the most and it should just be because they have the most ways to score the ball they have the most tools in their tool belt and their repertoire is a little bit bigger than everybody else's and uh, maybe they have a skill or a talent different from other players or from most players but everybody can score the ball um, a a little bit more and adding up those points I like to run through uh, my team I like to run through it often with them and give them a scenario for instance I got a player this year who's he's a good player he's got chance to play professional after college here and you know we talk about how to get to 18 or 20 points a game and what I've noticed in the preseason a lot of is he's trying to make a lot of threes just trying to make the big shot and like it's worth more or it's going to get him there faster Um, but I, I like to teach players you know listen get get uh get your four points in transition you know run harder than everybody else get your one or two offensive rebound putbacks get your good shot fake in the paint and get to the line for four free throws 
And before you know it, you've got 10 points and you haven't made a tough shot yet. You haven't made a jumper, uh, maybe even throw in there a steal and, you know, turnover going the other way. But the combination of all those things can get you to eight, nine, 10 points right there without ever even shooting a shot. And then you make a shot here, you make a shot there, or you just go 50% on your 10 attempts. You're to 20, you know, and I know that's easier said than done, but if you're trying to get some player from four to eight or a player from eight to 12 or a player from 12 to 17 or whatever it is you're trying to make that jump, they got to have a vision for how to make that jump. And so they've got to know, well, how can I add three points or five points? Because typically when you ask them to score more, to add more points, it just relates in terms of volume, you know, more shots or may, more made threes. But when I want a player to average more points, I want them to steal points. I want them to find ways to get buckets um, that they may not be getting and hope that their shots going in are just an added bonus to what they could possibly be. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that in just a second. But first of all, let's just take a break. We're going to get a communication tip of the day from our friends over at Team Snap. Thanks to our friends over at Team Snap for today's halftime communication tip. This week, coaches, I'd like to challenge you to master the art of timing. As coaches, there's always a message that we want to communicate to our players. Sometimes we need to address someone. Sometimes we want to praise someone. Sometimes we just want to share a story that we heard that's inspiring and uplifting and motivating. Whatever the message happens to be, evaluate when the appropriate time is and master it. You see, if you say that inspiring story at the wrong moment, it limits its power. If you address a player at a certain time and the situation isn't right, it may have damaging consequences. Find the right time and match up the messages you're trying to communicate to allow for the most effective communication possible. Thanks to our friends over at TeamSnap. Make sure you check out TeamSnap.com backslash hustle to learn more about the communication app being used by over 15 million people across the globe. TeamSnap.com backslash hustle. Check it out and get started today. All right, coaches. So we're talking about getting players to score the ball more and reference specifically Clay Thompson and his you know, 112 points on 16 dribbles, phenomenal playing without the ball. Um, you know, some of the things you could take from his game, just crafty shot fakes. Uh, when when guys are on the dribble, he's moving away or towards the ball. He's never stagnant. He's always moving. Um, he doesn't quit playing. You know, like a lot of times you can watch a guy, and this happens to teams all the time, somebody's ball dominant, and they start moving uh, without the ball uh, or start moving with the ball and we kind of just watch them play clay does a great job of not just watching them play but thinking that he's going to receive the ball now they might only throw it to him one out of every four times but he prepares all four times like he is going to catch the ball uh, let's go back to the point of talking about uh, being a, a stat stuffer um, or upping your point average and you know, I don't think this gets talked about enough because as coaches, we're like, share the ball. You know, we want to move the ball around. We want to help others, whatever. And that's all good stuff. And we definitely want all that stuff to happen. Um, but we also want the ball to go in the bucket. Like you win games by scoring points and everything gets easier when you score points. And specifically when you're looking at your own offense, you know, one of the things that uh, I always struggle with is, you know, a, a bigger, stronger defender versus a guy that can put it in the basket. And it has a, it's a huge uh, thing to determine. I don't even know there's always a right answer, but you know, if you put one or two shooters on the floor that stretch the floor, your drivers get better. 
take those two players off the floor and your drivers get worse. And, it, you know, it just has to do with being able to stretch the floor. And so, you know, shooters can always do that. And that's why every player should be shooting, practicing shooting, improving their range on a daily basis. You know, I wouldn't take a player who can't shoot the three in their freshman year and say, well, that's who they're going to be for the next four years. I'd have the opposite goal is by the time they're a junior, they shoot the three. And when they're a senior, we feel confident in them shooting the three. That may be one of the most efficient ways to improve your offense is to develop players that are capable of stretching the floor. Um, If you've got three, four players on the floor that stretch the floor, you can do a lot of things offensively. Your options open uh, up tremendously versus having three or four players on the floor that can't shoot the ball. And uh, having to trade off an offensive and defensive lineup, many of you have probably been in the same situation you know, that I've been in, like if I could play these five guys on defense and these five guys on offense, we'd be all right, you know, but then you got to sub in two or three of those players and they're really deficient on one end of the floor and that hurts you. And so, you know, that's why player development is so important, but specifically having to talk with players about how to get more points, um, you know, uh, you know, if you have a player, I mean, and, and they all want to have that conversation, you know, if you say, Hey, Sarah, Hey Joe, come here, you know, I, I want you to score more points. All of them are going to come eyes wide open and ears unplugged. I mean, they're going to try and figure out what it is they can do to score more points. And a lot of times, you know, it's that player that's scoring four, getting them to seven. I mean, think about that. You need them to get to the foul line one more time, or you need them to get one more turnover. You need them to make one good cut. You need them to make one uh, or two more good offensive rebound efforts. There's just simple little things that you need to get them to do. But by improving that, and again, if you could uh, identify five players on your team and you could help them each to steal one bucket, you went from 50 points to 60 points or 60 to 70 or 70 to 80, which is likely, to be honest with you, going to change the whole outcome of your season if you're able to do that. And so what you should be doing in practice and in games is looking for how could I help each one of those players. And, you know, there's oftentimes a way to take the player average in 19 to 21. And there's usually a ton of ways to take the player averaging four to six. But thinking in terms of how, and most of the time that comes not by drawing up another play or isoing them in some particular area. It has to do with some sort of effort play, some sort of uh, creativity, some sort of uh, thinking the game, some sort of movement without the ball. It usually has something to do with that. But if you were to go and down your roster, you have 12 players, let's say, and you were to say, how could I get them two more points? I think this is a good task for you to take on. How could I help them to get two more points? And then constantly challenging them. You know, your number nine player, listen, I, I need you to go to the offensive glass seven more times harder you know, than you've been going and, and uh, as hard or harder than you've been going. And surely out of that, you're going to get one more offensive putback. And you keep challenging that player to do that. And, you know, maybe that's their two points. Uh, maybe you have a player that just is, doesn't know how to play without the ball. You need to spend some time watching some film playing without the ball. Maybe somebody doesn't have shot face. You need to put shot face in their arsenal so when they get in the paint, they can get to the foul line rather than throw something up over their head and, and take another wasted possession. You know, As coaches, we're always looking to steal points 
on X's and O's stuff, right? We're always trying to get a jump ball player or a side out of bounds or an inbounds underneath. And all those things are good because, I mean, you know, I mean, obviously easier said than done. But as a coach, if you're stealing six more points a game and each of your top nine players are getting one more point a game, that's 15. That's huge. That's the whole difference in your season. That's the difference between winning five games and 18 games. And obviously I know it's not that easier. We would all be doing it. But it's what we're trying to figure out. I just think we oftentimes go heavy on trying to figure out the stuff we can do X's and O's and scheme wise to get more points and not focusing on and not talking enough and not having enough good conversation with players on, you know, here's what you could do to steal a point or here's what you could do to steal two points. And then in practice, challenging them to do that, you know, like, Hey, when we go into this drill, there's 10 possessions and I need 10 hard pursuits of the ball. And I want to see you come up with two of them on the offensive glass and uh, they lock in, they get that focus, they get it, and you say, hey, that's your two points. That's how you go from eight to ten. That's how you become a double-figure scorer right there. Um, that resonates with players, and, and uh, they love speaking, you speaking life into them, having the opportunity to score the ball um, more. So as you evaluate, and uh, you know, it's today's episode is specifically about trying to, to steal more points and help your team get more points and those type of ways, you know, there's a couple of categories that you can just take an overhaul on. Uh, I'll get to the one we've been talking about the most last, but I mean, the first thing that you can do is, is there another way for us to get two more in transition? Is there another way for us to get two more on the offensive glass? Is there, and and vice versa, is there a way to prevent those things too? You could also look at it defensively, how to improve that. Is there a way for us to steal an easy bucket off the tip? Is there a way for us to get a side out of bounds bucket and inbounds underneath bucket? Is there a play or two that we've put in that we could steal a bucket on that we don't have in right now? You can look at all of those things from a system standpoint, and you should really on a constant uh, and daily basis be trying to find ways to steal your team buckets. But then the final one was the conversation with what we spent most of the time on today is what are you doing to help players and what are you doing to cast a vision for players to go get more points? I think once you cast that vision, you open up the player to maybe a stale role they've been in, seeing a new light, saying, hey, I was just supposed to do this, this, and this. Well, now coach wants me to go get more buckets. You're going to get more energy out of players, too. They're going to go look for those buckets. And, you know, that that game when they've been averaging six, and all of a sudden they get nine, and you're like, that's what's up. You know, that's what you need to be doing. They find a little bit of success in that, and they're going after nine every game. And uh, those are the type of, um, you know, unsung. I don't hear this talked about a lot. Uh, but it was a huge conversation for me as a player. My dad gave to me when I was, um, in, you know, in high school and I became our all-time leading scorer in high school. And uh, and I think, you know, I was a very good shooter. I was a pretty good driver. But all in all, I, I really got really good at stealing points. Defensively, I anticipated and got steals. I moved without the ball and got a cut here and a cut there. I was crafty in transition. Um, I got on the floor for occasional loose ball that gained us another possession. I used shot fakes to get to the foul line. All of those things allowed me to average, you know, it's whatever it was, 25 you know, points a game, junior, senior year. It allowed me to do that um, because I was stealing points. And consistently, you know, that 18 to 30 mark is where I was coming up. And it was just really, you know, I was getting that 18 whether you liked it or not. And if I didn't shoot it well, I was still getting 18 because I was I was I was staffing, uh, I was stuffing stats that way. And then if I had made a couple shots, you were in trouble. I was getting to 25, 28, 30 points. Um, and, but even when it looked like I had a bad game, you look down and you see 18. And I really think it was that particular conversation, that particular talk, 
that actually helped me get to that place is when I envisioned it different. I remember him pulling out stats and showing me Michael Jordan scoring 40 points. I'm like, he must have played great, you know, and then the stat was like three out of 17 from the field. But he was like 24 out of 26 from the foul line, you know, and you're like, oh, my gosh, this guy just scored 40 or whatever, 35 or whatever he did. I don't remember the exact numbers and barely made any shots and actually had a horrible shooting night. And then he pulled out a couple more games like that and he showed me, you know, Jordan did this and Jordan did that and he got it off this or, you know, or he got 40 off of 10 shots. Well, he was extremely efficient. He didn't take bad shots. He did this. Plus, he got to the free throw line. He got it one in transition, one on an offensive rebound. And I started envisioning uh, scoring in a different way. And he also positioned it to me as my job. You know, everybody on the team wants the job of scoring. Um, but it really put a lot of weight off of took a lot of weight off of me when he positioned. That's my job. Everybody's got to do this. So-and-so's got to do this. You need to score the ball. We need you to get that 20 points a game. And then he gave me a plan for how to get to 20 points a game. And I know many, many of you are out there thinking, well, you know, your dad was helping you get points and buckets. I was the best scorer on our team. And and uh, everybody else, it got easier when I got my points. And uh, we still needed – it was just as important. We needed Travis to get his 12, and we needed Andrew to get his 14. We needed so-and-so to get his 6. We still needed all of those points. Um, I just saw it as my job to get 20. Uh, and my job to get 20 – was to be efficient in getting that 20. And I knew if I was going to be efficient getting that 20, I had to steal buckets in a multitude of ways. So think about that, coaches. As you go around and, and you're trying to improve your team, thought this might just be a little bit one, a little 1% nugget on how to um, help your players. Um, I think they'll enjoy having that conversation with you. But hopefully if, you, if your players are thinking that way, it improves your offensive efficiency and just helps your team to win two or three more games a year. And, you know, that, that's, pre- that's a pretty big thing. So, hey, uh, I am TJ Rosine. You can check me out. Follow me at Coach TJ Rosine. Uh, on Twitter and uh, we are the Hardwood Hustle and uh, until next time I'm out